Imagine with me. Imagine a world where walled communities serve as virtual fortresses against the forces of societal chaos. Imagine a world where vast underground networks allow plants of many species to speak to one another, to send warnings when threats are imminent. Imagine a world where conservative religious warriors take justice into their own hands. Imagine a world where chunks of coastline regularly fall into the sea, taking houses and whole communities. Imagine a world where demons exist and can curse you and your friends with the inability to lie. Sometimes when we're invited into imagination spaces to speak of dreams and visions, we're tempted to think only of positive, uplifting, good, and righteous things. Yet that is not the full truth of our existence. One time I was engaging in idle chatter with someone in a shop back when that was a thing so easily done I didn't think twice about it. And he shared something pleasant. And so I said to him, sounds like you're living the dream. He paused, looked at me, lowered his voice conspiratorially, said, I hate to bring down the mood, but nightmares are also dreams. He wasn't wrong. Most of the scenarios that I asked you to imagine with me come from fictional sources. One of them comes from the natural world. Uh, the one about demons comes from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as in fact is the title of today's service. Where do we go from here? It's the final song of the musical episode of Buffy, which is one of the top pieces of fiction that comes to my mind when I think of the word apocalypse. Now, some of you may well remember that this is not the first time I've included lyrics from the Buffy musical episode in one of my sermons. In fact, on March 1st of this year, I gave a sermon called Apocalypse, We've All Been There. In the following week, we welcomed Buddhist teacher Bhante Sujatha to our pulpit to share Dharma. And the week after that, we were doing virtual Zoom worship as we've been doing ever since, as we're doing here today, as Unitarian Universalist communities are doing around the world. Faced with a life-altering change, we adapted. It was not without difficulty or confusion or grief or loss. And yet, we have persevered, grown, changed. One of the most beautiful things about Unitarian Universalism to me is the way we're encouraged to look for truth and beauty and meaning in the world wherever we may find it. We can make our sacred texts from poems, songs, prayers, from our walks in the woods to our pauses in towering cathedrals, from our daily lived experience and the living connection we feel with our ancestors. We name as sacred sources our own experience of transcending mystery and wonder and the words and deeds of prophetic people which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. The texts that I use today as touchstones, aside from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, are from Octavia Butler's powerful Earthseed books, Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents. 
These texts are, in different ways, dystopian visions for humanity. In the world of Buffy, vampires and werewolves and demons are real, and the humans still struggle the most with each other. And in the musical episode, it's a demon that's making everyone burst into song while they're all unable to lie. By the end, when they sing, the battle's done and we kinda won, so we'll sound our victory cheer. Where do we go from here? Their ideas about themselves and each other are shaken. And in Butler's brilliant Earthseed novels, America is besieged by climate change, racism, corrupt government, religious fundamentalism, vast wealth and power disparities, violence, illness, and despair. Sound familiar? Octavia Butler's Earthseed series were published in the 1990s, and they are set in what is now the very near future. Parable of the Sower begins in the year 2024. Parable of the Talents begins in the year 2032, just before a presidential election. The books have actually been in the spotlight in more recent years precisely because of their eerie prescience. In the election that occurs near the start of Parable of the Talents, America elects a deeply conservative Christian candidate who invites the citizens of the country to, quote, help us to make America great again, unquote. When I read this phrase, so familiar to us in 2020, in this book published in 1998, I had to stop and put the book down for a minute. The parallels between the books and our current reality are not 100%, but the way American society feels in Butler's novels is deeply resonant. There is climate destruction. There is corruption within police departments. There is rampant violence against anyone who does not conform to a specific way of worshiping, of working, of looking, of voting, of being. Followers of this fictional president perform acts of violence against those who do not believe the way they do. In a phrase which gave me quite a turn, Butler even writes, cultist is a great catch-all term for anyone who fits into no larger category his people have been known to beat or drive out Unitarians, for goodness sake. Words and deeds of prophetic people which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. If Octavia Butler wasn't a prophet, I don't know who would qualify. Octavia Butler won multiple Hugo and Nebula Awards for her works, and in 1995 became the first science fiction writer ever to be given a MacArthur Foundation Award, often called a Genius Grant. Having begged her mother for a typewriter at age 10, through her teen years where she wrote and wrote, despite a well-meaning aunt warning her that black people couldn't be writers, she won a campus fiction contest in her freshman year of college and published her first short story in 1971 at the age of 24. Octavia Butler's prophetic vision, challenging us to confront powers and structures of evil, was centered in these books on the religion Earthseed. Yes, in this particular dystopian version of near future America, it was the path of a different religion, 
a new kind of wisdom that was set up as the light for humanity's path forward. This, it's this special relevance that I'd like to bring forward today, choosing this text as a basis for worship, literally the acknowledgement of worth. During this time when we are poised in our own furious and fragile uncertainty about the way forward. The Earthseed religion is developed across Butler's books, and each chapter opens with a verse from the text within a text, Earthseed, the Books of the Living. Possibly the most famous Earthseed verse is the one that starts chapter one of Parable of the Sower. All that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. The ideas presented in Butler's novels and all of the Earthseed verses they contain are dynamic, full of the constant shift that life is made of, the constancy of change. And it invites us into this concept of God as change. The paradox at the heart of Earthseed, which empowers humans as the shapers and changers of the world, is exemplified in the verse, why is the universe? To shape God. Why is God? To shape the universe. There is no life, no universe without change. In Earthseed, the honorary title for those who teach and share the ideas is not pastor or reverend, it is shaper. The work of this new religion and the communities built around it is to shape in tiny incremental steps, person by person, relationship by relationship, a new world. A better, a more just, a more equitable, a more compassionate world. Another relevant earth seed verse is quite short. Belief initiates and guides action, or it does nothing. One oft-cited story about Octavia Butler um, portrays her, she's talking to a group of students and she's taking some questions from the students. And the first student asks if she believes all the terrible things that she writes about humanity in her books. And she replies that she's just trying to extrapolate from the problems she already saw in the world. And later, Another student asks her if she has the answer to all of these problems. There isn't one, she replied. You mean we're just doomed, he asked. No, she said. I mean, there's no single answer that will solve all our future problems. There's no magic bullet. Instead, there are thousands of answers, at least. You can be one of them if you choose to be. Now there is an invitation. Choose to be an answer. There are thousands, tens of thousands. Could there be an answer per person? It all feels so overwhelming though. I mean, nightmares are also dreams, right? Lately, I've been taking a lot of comfort from an idea I've heard put forward as a counter to this feeling of overwhelm. It comes from environmental philosopher Kathleen D. Moore, Dean Moore, and you may very well have heard it from Reverend Carl, as that's where I heard it in the first place too. Um, the next time you find yourself asking, what can I do? I'm just one person. Consider that the answer could be, 
stop being just one person. With that in mind, let's hear one more verse from Earthseed. God is neither good nor evil, neither loving nor hating. God is power. God is change. We must find the rest of what we need within ourselves, in one another, in our destiny. To harness the power of change, we must find what we need here, within ourselves and others, in the communities we build and shape together. I'm far from the first to be inspired by Octavia Butler's vision. In 2017, Butler scholar, as well as writer, writer fellow Afrofuturist, doula, healer, and community organizer, Adrian Marie Brown published a book called Emergent Strategy. Emergent Strategy builds on ideas of leadership, power, and adaptability as found both in the natural world and in Octavia Butler's fiction, and with them outlines a beautiful vision for the way forward where together humanity can, perhaps, stop being just one person. Change is constant, and change can be terrifying. It can be exhilarating. Brown writes, if we accept the scientific and science fictional premise that change is a constant condition of this universe, then it becomes important that we learn to be in right relationship with change. Emergent strategy builds directly on Brown's years of scholarship on Octavia Butler's work. And in essence, it takes direction from earth seed ideas and naturally occurring instances of organization in the natural world that provide examples of ways to be more than one person to act and organize collectively, to adapt to the constancy of change. She draws a direct parallel from one Earthseed verse to map onto the elements of emergent strategy. The Earthseed verse is, all successful life is adaptable, opportunistic, tenacious, interconnected, and fecund. Understand this, use it, shape God. And Adrienne Marie draws these parallels. All successful life connects to fractal models. The small is reflected in the large at every level. Adaptable mapped to adaptive models for change. Opportunistic is mapped to nonlinear non and iterative models where we learn from what has gone before and make changes on the move. Tenacious is mapped to resilient, transformative justice models that invite us to imagine that more just and equitable world than the one we currently inhabit. Interconnected, mapped to interdependent and decentralized models, where when one part of the community is harmed, the work and the movement of the community is not stopped. Fecund is mapped to the creation of more possibilities. Understanding mapped to scholarship and reflection, use to practice and experimentation, and the phrase shape God from Butler's Earthseed is Brown's invitation to set intention, to be intentional about the work of creating the communities that will sustain us. In my first invitation to consider other possible worlds, I named uh, one scenario about plant communication. This is true in our world right now, 
mycelium, the vast underground network of fibers that is the majority of a fungus, mushroom is only a tiny part, are known to communicate chemical and other sensory information throughout the forest. In emergent strategy, brown holds up mycelium and dandelions and the soaring murmurations of starlings and the hard-working cooperation of ants as guides and models for human movements. When we each care for those closest to us, the smallest changes can have huge reverberations. All that you touch, you change. It's small changes like subtle air movements that shift an entire flock of birds that shape our world, our future over time. If all that we touch, we change, and that also changes us, then that describes a constant relationship for all that is within our reach. We are now globally connected in ways our ancestors could not have imagined. And we see an illustration of that writ large in the way that the COVID-19 pandemic has touched every part of the world. But even in a time when we cannot safely be close enough to one another to touch, we can work for a better world. We can imagine the small changes that will endure, that will also change us, make us more awake to and aware of the shifting patterns in the worlds around us. It is our relationships that build our resilience. There will be days, and you may be currently having one of these days, when the whole world feels worse than a demon's curse and you wonder how long you've been inside a dystopian novel without noticing. And yet, here we are, together in a community of faith. Belief initiates and guides action, or it does nothing. We are invited into this complex, complex space of now beloveds. All our sacred texts, wherever we find them, in a library, on the other side of a telescope, through a microscope, or a musical instrument, we're called into an embodied evolution. We are called to shape the change that is coming, that will always be coming. We are called into the fullness of our sacred imagination. As we heard from Reverend Carl in our meditation, we are going further, past reform to wonder. May we shape, may we dream, may we wonder. The world and the work await us. <laughs>